welcome, welcome. I am Johnny Stanton. We have Reginald Perriman, Shaka Williams. We are Tasari, and this is the There's Something About Real Estate podcast where we talk all things real estate. And tonight we have with us Jason from what company? Marcus and Millichap, the biggest commercial real estate investment sales firm in the country. What right. is, say it again, Jason. Marcus and Marcus and Millichap. Millichap. Okay. So I, I, we have a team within the firm. We're based in Los Angeles. We sell primarily retail and net lease properties, which is a category of commercial properties. You got apartments, hospitality, office buildings, retail, and then kind of what I focus on, net lease properties. Okay, great. And for our viewers, um, I, I have limited experience with commercial. I've done some commercial deals and um, actually leased some and and purchased and sold some. But just explain what a triple net lease is and net lease is. Yeah. So it's the simplest form from the landlord's perspective of ownership. If you have a triple net lease and it's really net, 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 each one of those nets equates to another thing. So one of those nets is maintenance, one of those nets is taxes, and one of those nets is insurance. So a net, net, net lease or a triple net lease is one where the tenant is responsible for all three of those things. In other words, you get a rent check, rest is on them. That's it. Right. And that's more common in a commercial space, not and when you see more like retail, well, pretty much all of it, right? On the higher end? Usually it's most most used when it's just one tenant. Okay. When you get into the multi-tenant retail strips, it's harder to have it because everyone has their own little share. And there's ways to get real close where the landlord has no responsibilities. But at the end of the day, because it's it's a small percentage, there's got to be someone that orchestrates, hey, you owe this much, you owe that much. When it's a single tenant, for example, anytime you see a fast food restaurant or a, a restaurant in general, a Red Lobster, a Carl's Jr., there's just a box, one person in there. Those are usually, if they're not owned by the person operating the business, those are owned by some <coughs> random person in the country just getting a rent check. And the tenant, whatever business is operating there, they're taking care of everything. Okay. So it truly is, you know, passive, if you will. Right. Until okay. they leave. And then and then you got to figure out what to do with the box. <laughs> right. Right. So you're calling it passive because you're saying you're doing as little as possible, but but you so are you typically hiring a property manager? No, this is as true as you can get to passive income. Okay. That you are doing nothing, but you have a set return. So there's no way to drive value in these typically. They're usually subject to really long-term leases with baked in increases. So on years one through five, you're getting $100,000. Year five, you're starting to get $110,000. There's no way to go in and say, hey, you got to start paying more because I'm going to put a palm tree out front or anything mm -hmm. like that, or you can't kick them out. I, 20 years usually is what you're set in there for. So it's passive, but that's your money. That's all you're getting. Right. But so, it's a little bit more, it's, it's a little bit more guaranteed in a sense compared to other forms of real estate investing, would you say? Yeah. And usually you're getting a lower return when that guarantee. Right is better so the guarantee comes in the form of who the heck is your tenant your tenant right. could be walgreens which is a publicly traded corporation you're probably going to get your rent check right if you got a tenant in there you know i i got money but 
if, if things hit the fan, maybe I stop paying my rent, you know, you're probably, I'm probably going to have to offer you a better return if I'm your tenant. Cause I'm a little more risky than Walgreens is. Right. Right. Now with, with the vacancy rates, when, when these properties do become vacant, is it because you said usually it's like maybe 20 years or so, um, it, are the tenants typically making any value add improvements or they just kind of just maintaining it to the minimum? I mean, it's their, it's, it's their business. So right. if you're talking about a fast food restaurant, they're going to be losing their money if they're not making this thing look as good as it can. Right. Cause but, I, you know, it's hard to say. Because I see some, and I don't want to name a certain franchise, but there's a... a name it, name it. Because it's probably just a franchisee that sucks, not the franchise itself. Okay. So, like, we've we seen, like, a lot of churches, chickens that were, yeah. um, where the buildings were, they were not in the best shape. But then we start seeing them, like, combined with uh, White Castle and that type of thing. But then the condition of those were a little better. Or we see some that are maybe, like, inner city where they're a little bit more run down. And that's up to the actual tenant to maintain that. And it's really a business decision if they want to invest and make that place a little bit more attractive, correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. And and what it really boils down to, you, have any of you lived in an apartment before? I'm sure. I mean, at some point, right? In an apartment? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, your lease is going to have house policies in the most simplest form. Some of them will say you can't make noise after nine. Some of them will say you can't make noise after 10. So you all know what a lease is or anyone right. out there listening knows what a lease is. When it comes to these triple net leases, usually they're very thorough about what you can and can't do and what happens if you don't do those things you're required to. So in most of these triple net leases, it's going to say you got to maintain your building up to, up to standards, whatever that is. And it's defined in there. And if you don't do that, you know, you'll be penalized for it. But once again, every case is different. So if you give me an address, we can look at it, but it's not going to help me to tell you why or why not it looks good without actually right. seeing the lease, what the obligations are, you know. Okay. And, and these are longer terms because you're dealing with a business. They're trying to have like a state and market share. So they're not trying to lease for two or three years. This is probably like a 10 or 20 year type. Situation. Yeah, it goes both ways. The typical, like uh, any big franchise brand, those leases will typically be 20 years with four or five year options. So if they're signing a lease at a building, they want to know that they can be there for at least 40 years. And wow. typically they're the highest paying. So uh, if, if they do exhaust that 40 years, if you're a landlord, you're probably going to want them to be there unless, of course, the zoning's changed, which means you have a better use for that property and you want them out. You know, or you have a tenant already ready to go in there, that's going to pay more. Right. What about those? Um, when we see some of these places, like some of the restaurants, they'll actually um, probably like tear the building down and rebuild it. Are those typically yeah. owned by the franchisee or? Yeah, I mean, it's. I'll use an example of any major QSR brand, quick service restaurant brand. You got Wendy's, Popeyes, you know, Carl's Jr. When you do a full remodel to the to the franchises, and when I say franchise, I mean the company that is giving you the rights to use their name and sell their products. They usually have every 10 years, if not less than that, a new prototype for buildings that they right. think based on their marketing department's knowledge, whatever, is going to perform better. Usually, 
when you upgrade to that, you're going to increase your sales by 30 to 35%. So even though it costs like $500,000 in some cases to tear your property down and build it up, right. you're going to make 30, 35% more on your, on your product uh, and revenue. So, uh, you know, it's all a calculation at the end of that. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And sometimes you're required to, the franchise is going to say, Hey, you're going to, we're going to revoke your franchise agreement, your ability to be in our system. If you don't make this improvement, because Hey, you're representing us, you're Wendy's, you know? Right. What if the, um, what if the franchise owner, have you ever, is there ever a time where like the franchise owner goes under, like their business goes under, but the, the main, the actual franchise itself, do they ever send somebody like, in to take over or that's a that's a great question that's a great question and right now you're seeing a lot of the ones that were able to sort of make it through covid but now inflation's really kicking in and it's even harder to make money the, the franchisees are going bankrupt there was four major burger king franchisees that went bankrupt in the past two months um and yeah in some cases corporate will either take over corporate will force a sale to another franchisee in the area. So if Reggie's doing real good, but shock is not Burger King corporate might say, shock, listen, you're either going to sell or, or we're going to, you know, rain hellfire on you in whatever way we can. Uh, and then Reggie goes in and, and no one knows because it's still a Burger King. So this is all behind the scenes, but if right. it gets too crazy and they can't find someone, maybe Reggie says, I don't want to work that market, you know, there's way too many purple people over there. You know, there's you can't do anything that you want. Uh, you know, then he goes bankrupt. And Shaka's, you know, left dealing with a bank because he probably has a loan on it. And mm -hmm. Makes the brand look bad. So what do they? What would they do in that situation? What does the bank? What does the franchise do if the franchisee goes bankrupt on one of their franchises? spend money on damage control so that their business doesn't look bad when they have 50 locations go dark. Gotcha. Their, their options are limited. I mean, it's, it, this is not like a, a, a business that operates with robots. You know, you need to have people there to do it and a corporation can't just snap their finger and say, all right, 50 people we're going to deploy there and 50 people are going to deploy there. Your, your hands are sort of tied in a lot of these cases. Right. So they're going to do they're going to do their best to make sure once they that's why it's so difficult to get into a franchise, but they're going to do their best to make sure that you succeed pretty much. They're going to help you. I mean, in the cases that I mentioned for Burger King, before it even broke news that these franchisees went bankrupt, I mean, those franchisees are going to corporate and saying, hey, I'm really struggling. <laughs> we got like six months of runway here before shit hits the fan. Mm -hmm. Help me out. And corporate will step in and say, okay, well, work with this guy who's going to try and find someone to take over for you. And, and okay, we'll reduce our franchise fees, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're a franchisee, you're going to be paying royalties. So, okay, we'll work with you here. And let's connect you with another guy to negotiate the loans that you have, because that's probably cutting into your ability to be profitable. It, it, there's only so many things you can do before it's like, all right, well, none of this worked. It's bankruptcy right. time. So they try every last option pretty much to keep those doors open if they can. All right. Yeah. Right. And, and there's another component here, which is the, the landlord may not be involved with corporate or the franchisee. In most cases, they're not. Right. So, you know, that's another component of this puzzle. Right. So what, what would cause a landlord to sell? Let's say if a landlord is, is so, but before I ask this, is it common for a landlord to, 
own like maybe 10 locations and have the same person lease from lease all 10 locations? Basic investment strategy says be diversified. Okay. Usually private investors will make a concerted effort not only to not have the same franchisee, but not even to be in the same brand because think of, I mean, this is the example that comes to mind, which isn't relevant now, but Chipotle with the E. coli stuff. Right. There was a big period there where no one wanted to go to Chipotle and that can happen like that with social media nowadays. So, Mm -hmm. hey, you have 10 Burger Kings, even if they're all different franchisees, that brand can go down really quick. So the only time you really see someone have a lot is when they're the pie. Okay, so think of uh, a diversified real estate portfolio as a pie, like any easy thing to imagine. If your pie is really, really big, you can have 50 slices of a of a Carl's Jr., you know, or whatever, Walgreens. I mean, I'm just, these are just the brands that I'm, everyone is familiar with. Right. Um, and that's usually with big uh, REITs or real estate investment trusts, big publicly traded or a lot of money in it uh, sort of portfolios. Private guy, smart thing to do is no. I mean, you should probably own a, different asset classes even so what we're talking about would fall under the quick service restaurant category there's okay. also like uh you could think of davita dialysis dialysis centers this is yeah. you know these are all just different things uh that's usually a tenant that operates in the space that you'll see transact a lot and you know automobile uses collision centers that's another thing that you could car washes, for example. I mean, all these things, you could really diversify yourself to hedge against whatever comes in the economy. Right. So so in other words, the smaller guys should probably own the um, the building that Wendy's is in and the building that Burger King is in and AutoZone. Right? You're, you're assuming the smaller guy has $10 million to put into <laughs> this kind of thing. This The smallest of guys, if there was to, in this real like passive uh sort of thing triple net properties the safest is probably quick service restaurant and and safety is usually in this space defined as how hard would it be to retenant this if the tenant that i have leaves so on the flip side of that you could also own like a thirty thousand square foot distribution center operating on a triple net lease that's great that's awesome and it could be from a publicly traded company but the risk in that property comes in the form of if they leave can you ever replace whatever rent they were paying like let's say it was a government organization paying way above market. They just really needed that area. So they were able to make double market rents there. And it's a massive space. So who the heck are you going to find for a 30,000 square foot distribution center? And how are you going to replace the income that you had from a, a high paying tenant? So that's right. the, you know, but a quick service restaurant, you got to drive through usually it's 2000 square feet or less. That's like, there's a lot of, of demand for that product. Right. Is the motivation for the landlord to sell similar to like any other investment property? So, for example, because I'm trying to picture like, why would I sell something that has a 20 year lease and maybe I'm five years in it? Why would I sell that property? Because you can make more money somewhere else. Yeah, well. You, usually it boils down to because you can make more money. Uh, right. You have circumstances where brokers will call you and, and usually the people that invest in this asset class, when you want to talk about passive, Rich the rich. investors in this product type are usually coming from apartments or office building or much more intensive property types that were potentially making them more money. 
but they're sick of the calls at night in the apartment world or they're sick of having a retenant thing. So, you know, they can get scared really easily if someone like any of us on this call called them up and said, Hey, I heard something really bad about Burger King. You should probably get out of this because you're going to be left. This is an 80 year old woman. We're calling up 80 year old Betty and saying, Hey, I don't know if you heard, but four Burger King franchisees just went bankrupt. Those landlords are screwed right now. You should probably sell your property and you should invest in a pop or whatever, right. you know, whatever right. it is. That's that's a common reason why someone sell on the more sophisticated side of things. Let's pretend you have a traditional triple net lease. And a tra a traditional is probably not the right word, but you'll see oftentimes a 20 year lease. And every five years, the rent goes up by 10 percent. OK, right. So. If on year five, your rent goes up 10%, you've just in theory increased value because just like anything, you're pricing off of the income on, off of a return. Right. So if the return you bought it for was a 5% at $100,000, someone that's better at math can do that. <laughs> so right. it's a million bucks uh, or 2 million bucks. And uh, then it goes up to $110,000. You've just created potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars of value if someone is willing to pay you the same return you went into it for with a little less term on the lease. So that's usually a strategy people will employ. They'll wait for the rent to go up and then sell. Mm. I got a, I got another question too. So I, I see a lot of times, like say there's, a, um, say there's a franchise restaurant there and then all of a sudden there's like a mom and pop deli or Coney Island or something like that. You know, it's just a smaller business there. Um, is it typically that the, the value decreases because it's not a franchisee there? Or is it, um, how does that impact the value of that property and the return on investment? So if you wanna give criteria for what gives value in this asset class, there's, there's three things, location, is probably the biggest and that applies to all real estate. So that's not going to be surprising to any of you. Right. The second most important is probably credit worthiness. Okay. Uh, and the last most important is the term of the lease, the fixed term, because the people buying this asset are looking for dependable income for the longest period of time that they can get. Right. Uh, but what you're talking about is number two, which is the credit worthiness. Yeah, it's going to impact the value. Right. If I have Walgreens. And I bought it for a 5% return and I, and I was comfortable with that 5% return because it checked my, my box number two. It's going to guarantee me the rent. They leave and the tenant that I get there is Reggie's hamburger shack. Somehow, if you're filling up 15,000 square feet of hamburgers, but you don't have the credit worthiness of a public company, yeah, I'm going to have to offer the private market probably a 7% return now. These are all arbitrary numbers, but... Yeah, and and I mean, in this space, a seven percent return from a five percent return, that just equal potentially a million plus dollars of value that I just lost right. because I'm not giving people the credit worthiness. Hmm. That answer your question? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm asking on behalf of our audience. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I want to. I do want to break that Popeyes deal down though. Let me yeah. pull this up. Let me see if I can share my screen here and get this set up for us. No problem. So the deal that we're talking about for a little bit. Yeah, I got about ten more minutes. Okay. So the, the, 
so you can you can probably stay on this page and i'll just tell you when to flip through so the, this property uh this this is a portfolio of properties this is a so we're, we're actually going to go from investor right now and we're all going to pretend that we are restaurant operators let's pretend we're all popeyes operators okay and we bought our first property so we own the property that we are operating in and we all know what the cost of real estate is it's expensive usually and your money's trapped in those walls the equity you're not in the business as a Popeye's operator, traditionally speaking, of real estate. You're in the business of selling fried chicken sandwiches. That's where you make your money. So the question is, how do we make more fried chicken sandwiches and sell them? Because that's where we're making the money. And you're like, well, we got to open up more stores, but I don't have any money. I have a mortgage on this property. So I can't get another loan on it. And if I do, it's probably going to be hard money and be way too expensive to get. I don't want to uh, lease another property because I'm not 100% certain about you know, that market and I don't really have an exit strategy. So you're like, okay, clearly the issue is all my money's trapped in this real estate. How do you get it out? And the way that most of these franchisees do it is through a sale leaseback. Perfect. They're already owning the property. They want to offer someone on the private market a return that they know they can justify because they've been operating there for about a year or whatever it is. Let's say they've been there in this case. I mean, they've been here for a decade. They know what their, their revenue is going to be. And, and if you're a restaurant operator, you don't want to be underwater. So you need to set your rent at a level that makes that store still profitable. So in the restaurant space, in the quick service restaurant in particular, uh, a really easy ratio to figure out what's a safe rent level is 8% of what your gross sales are. And, you know, there's, there's traditionally speaking, like percentages for each category. So most people know what the labor expense needs to be in order to be healthy or what the cost of buying your product is to be healthy. But for the line item of rent, you know, that 8% of your gross revenue can go to rent and you can still be profitable as long as all those other categories are at what they need to be. So you're like, okay, I know what rent I want to set. I know that I'm going to have to be paying for everything else and offering the market a triple net lease. Okay. So you then back into that number really easily by saying, okay, what return can I offer a private investor? And it's a super simple formula. So you figure out your rent, you know, let's say you're making a million bucks, you know, 8% is the right number. We're going to set our rent at $80,000. I'm going to call up Jason Pfeffer. And I'm going to say, Hey, what would the open market pay with all the things considered? for my Popeye's property if I signed a 20-year lease at closing, a 20-year triple net lease at closing. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, you're not that good uh, from a balance sheet standpoint. You know, we're going to do 20 years. Here's the, here's the lease structure that we would use. I think the open market would, would need a 6% return. That's what they'd pay you. I was like, okay. So that's $1.33 million. Okay. Yeah. So you just created $1.33 million. And I mean, you bought that property as vacant land and you built that with whatever loan you got. Let's say you're in the property with a mortgage of $600,000. You pay off the mortgage with the $1.33 million. You now have a lease rate that you know you could support because you set it yourself. And you, you now have 700 plus thousand dollars to go and start your next Popeyes and you rinse and repeat or whatever restaurant concept we're talking about. Well, it's called the sale leaseback method of expansion. And, and that's what this group's doing right here. Okay. So 
In this case, it's the largest Popeyes franchisee in the country. Uh, they're also the second largest franchisee in the country across the board. So they don't just operate Popeyes. Uh, and the cap rate category, which you can you see second to the right. Cap rate just means, in this case, what return am I going to get on my money? Right. Cap rate's the net divided by the price. So what's my net income every single year compared to how much I'm going to have to pay for it? Or really simply put, what the heck's my return? If you want to think about it like a bond or a stock. So we can go to the next page and it'll kind of break down, you know, some of the things. I think these were the only three pages I had. Okay. Go back. Yeah. I just had this one and this one here. Hold on. Yeah. That's by my house. <laughs> no problem. I mean, we could stick, we could stick with this. So this is a portfolio. We brought out, we brought out five of them. You know, they pick these five because I basically uh, looked over the whole portfolio and, and figured, hey, these five would probably perform the best on the private market. So let's focus on these five. They'll sell the quickest. You'll get the most money for them. Uh, and in their case, they have plenty of money. But from a really sophisticated standpoint, you don't want to use your own money. You guys all know that. Any sophisticated right. investor knows that. Um, yeah. And... And construction loans are really expensive right now. Interest is extremely high. So in their mind, they're basically borrowing money at the cap rate they're offering. So in other words, they're getting a 5.25% interest rate on whatever money that they get out of this. You know, that's right. the simplest way to look out of it. So people, people always call me, say, well, why are they selling? Aren't they doing well? It's like, yeah, but if they could borrow money at 5.25% compared to 7.5%, that just means they're good business people. That doesn't yeah, mean they need the money. So that's that's what's going on in this case. Because always learn try to borrow it when you don't need it. Because <laughs> when you need it, you usually can't borrow it, right? Exactly. Man, share my screen right quick. I mean, let me share mine. Okay, we actually did a deal um, like this, but on a smaller level. Um, mm -hmm. Hold on, let me remove this one here. All right, go ahead. Wait a minute. Go ahead and share yours, Shaka. Let me stop my okay. You should be able to share it now. Yeah, we did a deal like this on a smaller level. It was a um it was a business owner. He needed some cash, so we brought it from him and leased it back to him. But it was it wasn't two million dollars. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it exists in the house world. This exists in the house world too. I mean, in the most yeah. simplest form, if you need to stay in your house for another 30 days, you're effectively doing a sale lease back. Exactly. Yeah, and this guy had been in business in the community for probably like 20 years or so. Um, heating and cooling company, and it worked out for all of us. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. And by the way, I got, I got a I got about five minutes, so we'll run okay. through it. Um Let's keep going. It's going to be the page where we break down the financials of it. Right there is perfect. The executive summary. So, I mean, this is this is as simple as it gets. If we're talking about retail deals or other commercial properties where you're going to have overhead expenses, those would all be broken out in whatever marketing materials it is. So it would show you what your property taxes are going to be. It would show you what your expenses are going to be to maintain the building, et cetera. In this case, you don't see a lot of that because there is none. You know, when we say passive income, this is truly the closest thing you can get to 
passive income short of actually just buying a bond. Um, and people always say, well, why would I buy something that's a 5.25% return when I can buy a bond, which is offering the same thing and it's backed by the US government? Uh, two primary things. Well, you can't, you can't do what's called a 1031 exchange into a bond, which is when you sell investment property and you don't want to pay whatever capital gains you have, you have to buy another property. You can't do that into a bond. Right. Uh, and, the, and the second thing is you can't depreciate a bond. So in the investment sales world, one of the primary benefits of owning commercial property is the ability to actually depreciate it. In other words, reduce your income taxes by what the IRS deems to be, you know, uh, I think we all know what the word depreciation means, a loss in value of that property. So the IRS has their formula. They tell you, okay, the property, the building is worth $2 million. You can depreciate X amount of that per year against what your income is. And you can't do that against the bond. At the end of the day, you're going to have to pay the, the income tax on that no matter what. So real estate's still king in my eyes. So before you um, run in layman's terms, why do you feel like this is a good deal or opportunity? Well, I mean, you would have to be familiar with the whole market at the end of the day, because this is so simple. This is just a good return relative to other properties that are similar that you can get on the market. I mean, this property checks off a lot of the boxes that I mentioned. Okay. It checks off all of them, location, credit, and the length of the lease. You have a 20 year lease. You're in Detroit in a very, very great area for this business. I'm not saying this would be a good area for Louis Vuitton store, but when you're talking about a Popeyes, this is the right location for it. And then the, the, the second, and in my opinion, the biggest selling point is the credibility of this. There is no stronger Popeyes franchisee out there on the market. Right. So if you, you know, you would have to look at the full picture and see, okay, this property sold at this price, this property sold at this price. And in my opinion, this is priced very in line with what a person should expect to get as a return for this property in today's snapshot of the world. And, and if I heard you right, they're not only um, a solid Popeye's franchisee, they're one of the top franchisees in the country, correct? That's right, that's okay. right. But at the end of the day, a contract is what matters. And, and in this specific case, the entity backing the lease, in other words, if this company was to go belly up, who do you sue? It's right. whatever signing on the dotted line. And in this case, it is an right. entity of theirs that holds 155 Popeyes. So that's that's what's backing the lease. Right. You can go to sleep knowing that your rent's not coming uh, or your rent is not not going to come because this store does badly. There's 154 other stores propping up their ability to perform on this lease. I think with some of the uh, so everybody has to understand that this uh, somebody made a comment about Popeyes and they're struggling. Uh, we don't really care because we just own the the real estate. I mean, we do care. We don't want it to go bad, but you know that's yeah. not our problem. We're, we're worried about the rent, not about their sales. Yeah, Popeyes. that would be an issue if you had a percentage rent clause where you're getting your rent not at a set fixed number, but you're getting let's call it eight percent of whatever their sales are. So mm. they would show you, hey, I did a hundred thousand dollars this month. Popeyes is no good. Oh shoot, my rent just got cut in half, and you know I. I got one last question before you go. Why does yeah. why does eight percent matter if you're worried about the cap rate? So is does the eight percent really matter, or is that a real thing? It is extremely real, and right. it's it goes back to the health of the business that's paying you your rent. 
So on the flip side, let's say I just wanted to make a shit ton of money as the, as the person who's about to do a sale leaseback. Mm-hmm. I could just set my rent extremely high. Let's say I set my rent at it. Let's say my revenue is $2 million. I'm going to set my rent at $2 million, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And, and someone's going to give me a cap rate for that. Gotcha. But my business would go out of business in, in about a week when I have to pay my first rent check. And oh, my goodness. So a person who's buying the property wants to know that the health, that the business is healthy and the 8% is just a metric to say, okay, they set the rent level at what we know in the marketplace to be a healthy level. Gotcha. They can operate successfully if the rent is 8%. So that's just, above, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, once you get above 8%, let's say to like, let's say the person needs to make a hundred thousand dollars to keep that store open. Otherwise, they're going to close it because it doesn't make sense to run a whole business and not make $100,000, whatever it is, arbitrary numbers. Mm-hmm. Every time I increase my rent to sales ratio or whatever my rent is, it's in comparison to my, my revenue, my sales, I'm eating away at that $100,000, right? So once you get above that 8%, let's say now I'm only making $50,000. Well, shoot, I'm probably leaving this restaurant the second my lease expires compared to if I'm buying that knowing they're at 8%. Well, hey, at the end of 20 years they set the rent level correctly, they might stay there for a lot longer. Right. Gotcha. So that's that's a way to for the per, the landlord to make sure that the business is healthy. That's why that's important. Correct. Gotcha. It's usually the first question if I don't have it in the marketing package. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's familiar with these properties, what's the rent to sales ratio? Gotcha. And if I say anything above eight, they're going to go, uh, okay, well, I need a higher return because I don't feel comfortable that they're going to stay there. So I need to make more money on the front end. Mm. So you want a lower rent to sales ratio. That's yeah. That's the primary, uh, one of the big metrics in the, in the restaurant space. And that applies to you. It has other, other words like uh, rent to revenue, even in the Walgreens space, there is like a metric. So Walgreens, for example, you want to be at a 15% rent to revenue. Mm. If they're doing, if their rent is set at 15% of whatever the revenue is, you could say, oh, they're probably making good money at that store. Makes sense. Appreciate you. I got I got two more minutes if you guys have anything else. It was a pleasure, by the way. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys. But what makes this even more attractive, too, is because the person buying it is not necessarily paying cash. They're probably financing this as well, right? Or not so much. Reason, not so much. Anymore, right? <laughs> well, right now, you'd be you'd be negative leveraged. Because yeah, interest finance. rates on this product type are about 6.25 to 6.5%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so unless you're putting more than 50% down, your cash flow is going to be, your ROI is going to be basically nothing. These are usually people that are selling their apartment buildings and right. 1031 exchanging into this. And, you know, they're used to getting like a 3% or 2% ROI because they've owned their apartment buildings in Los Angeles or New York for 30 years and they can't increase the rent anyway. And they just, they're like, all right, well, I'm making 3%. I'll be happy with five. Okay. All right, that makes sense. All right. Appreciate it, Jason. Yeah, we thank you guys so much. All right. Take care, everybody. You're a pleasure and you're super funny. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Deal or no deal? No deal. <laughs> ain't a damn, ain't a, I mean, but I ain't rich enough. I mean, it's out of my, you know what I mean? Like that's a right. passive. So what he was explaining, uh, 
if you, that's why he used that 80 year old lady right she not out here hustling so we still hustle we still work uh with our money you know what i mean we right. put it in places but we still actually work an 80 year old woman that's got a, a lot of money she ain't trying to hustle or do no work she just want to put her money somewhere where she got her guaranteed return that's why that return that five and a quarter look that's low as hell to us like we wake we make way more on you know shit if we had 2.5 million and, and you know we probably would make easily 25 percent uh easy and i'm just going low you know what i mean um so yeah we're not you know like five percent four points at least I, I like it for somebody that's in that space already because like he said it's usually for somebody that already got their their money in in investments like this and they sold something and they're just rolling it over to this and they're probably getting a better return on this than what they were getting before and you're not trying to this is for somebody that's not out flipping houses or mm -hmm. doing you know a couple hundred passive. residential real passive. Really passive yep yeah. And the more yeah. passive, it, uh, like we said on the show, the more passive it is, probably the lower your return is going to be. But Always. it's probably safer too. Lower risk, yeah. lower risk, lower return, right? Right. Uh, Sunny J was talking about the business going belly up again. Uh, so he 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 talked about that Sunny J when he was talking about that uh, rate on rent or whatever whatever he called that term. What did he call that? Hold on. Um. So. So although you might feel that way, Sonny J, if they're in that uh, that 8% or lower, like he explained for that Popeyes, that's not that's not really a fact. Just that, that just may be your perception of, of what you see happening with uh, Popeyes. That doesn't mean that's actually going on. Yeah, because I'm trying to figure out like Popeyes, not like some of these other restaurants out here. They're always lines wrapped around the corner. You got to wait an hour for a chicken sandwich or a meal or whatever. I haven't experienced any of the Popeyes where it's just like a dead zone. Even yeah, the right. 108 mile that where everybody was talking about is the worst Popeyes in the world. That and thing is still going there. Yeah. yeah. That thing is still I, going crazy. I, I love Chick fil A. Popeyes they, on some days. Yeah, Chick fil A, I just don't think they don't have enough locations compared to Popeyes. Popeyes have a larger market share. Chick fil A has, to me, has a better product and better customer service. Oh, but right. Yeah. Popeye still slap. Yeah, always <laughs> people gonna wait, and they gonna get that shitty ass customer service, yeah. and that chicken at the end of it. Like, yeah. I, cause I do it all the time. I be ready to fight by the time I leave that drive through. <laughs> like, I got my chicken. Yeah, uh, that was a good one, y'all. That was we need to. Uh, that was a good lesson. A real he he explained very well the everything that he talked about, and that is a different game right there that's a different game i guess that's a game to aspire to get to yeah that's what you build up to once you mm -hmm. once you want to sit down you know you didn't accumulate your money and you got your money just out there because mm -hmm. i mean you can live off of that income pretty good when you get get of age and if that's where some of your money parked that's that's a good retirement plan what they say that's 136 a year so off of that 2.5 uh, and yeah. but you're not doing nothing to get it right but that but most of the people he's talking about that's probably not their only 2.5 like people because he watched that um our passive income episode but because he, he's like you know this is like one of the most passive 
way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you talking about a 20 year lease, like when we talk about, you know, generational wealth and all that, and you talking about a, a tenant that's going to stay there 20, 30 years, you know, that's easy to pass down to your kids because they really don't have to manage anything at that point. Mm-hmm. That's like the one we did. I mean, it's on a like you know, um, super micro small level. But ours, I bet you, our return is way better. Don't our, return, not, our, our return. That's what I was near a saying. Our return yeah. is not no joke. Like we not we did we did a really good job on that on that deal. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. So you know, like, but I'm just saying, like, for the the idea of it, like the amount of work that's put into it, you know, for an owner. That needs someone to come over, you know, give me this money for it cash, and you know, you're gonna recoup that return. It is, it's pretty clean. Because they already have the longevity and the long standing of maintaining the um the space already. I didn't get to ask one question. He had let me show y'all something. It was one question. It looked like the lease about to end in two years. Um, I didn't see that. Hold on, let me see. That's my screen? Yeah. Yep. Uh how the hell do I get back to it? Oh. Uh what up, Emmett? What up, Rhonda? Uh, who else came in on the chat? Uh Rhonda, you said Sonny J and Aaron said Shaka, what up? What up though? Uh where did I see that at? Hold on. Right here. Year I, probably would, I probably would like this over an apartment building right now. Maybe that's the year built. Maybe you see where it says year built upcoming remodel? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that means that that's when they get they're gonna shut it down, or is that the end of the lease and they about to start over? But it looks if no, like you're gonna get a new lease because they're asking you to buy it and lease it back to them. So it's you would have a new lease with them. That's why they're selling it. The lease and it's and it's term. Oh, this is about to be over then. So you saying it's about to? So that's it's about to be over. No, they're not. They are. They currently own this. They're selling it to somebody so they can lease it back from them. They're raising capital. Basically. Oh, right, right. Yeah, right. and they're willing to do a twenty-year lease, and then they're saying that they're gonna remodel the building in in what two years. So in order to do that, so hold on, no, the person that's the landlord is selling just the like no yeah. the owner is selling just like the deal we did the owner mm-hmm. sold it to us and mm-hmm. leased it back just imagine oh. the person we're leasing to if they made improvements on the building or they remodeled it it's the so you feel like the Popeye's, Popeyes owned their own building they wasn't leasing it this franchise yeah. this franchise he owned it and they're selling it so they can raise capital, and then they're going to lease it back from whoever buys it. Oh, and then it's not just this one location. Is it all several of those locations? Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. several locations on here. Five of them or something. Yeah, and that's the so. This is the thing. Like, if anybody has watched like that McDonald's documentary, that's the one thing I do like about um this package is that you're buying land. Right. Like one, I, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so everybody, y'all go talk to some people and raise some capital and go do the do, do deal. Raise two point five. I'll do it for eleven percent. I would not touch this deal. I mean, right now I'm not old enough and I don't have enough money to to do anything with this. This deal is not appealing to me 
in my current uh, bracket of my, my current income bracket. I, I like the deal if I had the money to do it. How much money would you have to have to do it? If you had 2.5 million, would you put it in this or would you do something? Um, else? Not, not me at this age right now. I wouldn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, got I would it. need to counter. I would need to counter their um their offer. I would need to get about three fifty back. Hey, I, would, I, would, I would loan Emmett. I would loan Emmett the money and go, <laughs> go I, some houses. I mean, the problem is we know. I mean, we we could earn way more money on that two point five million right now. So we're not. That is true. If I had $2.5 million to go and invest, I definitely would not be yielding a 5% return on it. Absolutely not. Like when we were talking about it early, I swear, I think, I'm pretty sure we could do 25% with our eyes shut on that. Yeah, I feel like yeah, that's, that. that's because we're at the age we're willing to take those risks. Like, we said, this is somebody that probably, you know, if you, if if you had thirty million sitting around and this was two point five, and you could go invest the rest of the money somewhere else and get a higher return, but this was a little bit more of your safer money, you probably would do it then. You know, so yeah, if you yeah you you yeah. had two hundred million and you put your little, you said this for my this this for one of my kids or whatever for their college savings or whatever the hell is going to be for it. Yeah, you put that to the side. They good. They got you know they got one hundred thirty coming in. Off of that little investment, yeah, yeah, low risk. But all right, y'all, you're right. Good show, good talk. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All <laughs> Thanks right. for joining us, y'all. Yeah. All right, y'all have a good one. We'll see y'all next. Oh, y'all like, share, subscribe on um, YouTube and all the platforms, and go check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Breaker, Google Podcasts, and all the other platforms as well. All right, we out. Peace.